bless you. We love you. I'm honored you Let's do it under the Lord, shall we? Come on, all over this place. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, give them the best hand clap you've given them all conference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know what kind of activities transpire in this place, but I would just like to make mention that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Does anybody at peak 2013 believe that? I know there's even some among us that don't want it being said. But I still believe emphatically, positively, and unequivocally that Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. I know it's a youth conference, but we still believe that in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I'm not just non-Trinitarian, I'm anti-Trinitarian. I give honor to everybody in their respected places this morning, to the Executive Council, and in his absence, our presiding bishop and chairman, Bishop Floyd Odom. We give honor to the General Council youth council this morning thank you for whoever made the blunder and mistake of allowing me to come to preach to you this morning hallelujah it is quite an honor for us to be here I'm glad my wife is with me my three boys and my baby daughter One was fun, two would do, three was fine with me, and now we have four and there'll be no more. In fact, in fact, I'll just, I'll just give you a little Greek lesson here. You say, you know a little Greek, Brother McDonald? Yeah, I know a little Greek, and he stands about that high, and he owns a pizza shop in the city where I was raised. So I know a little Greek. Wait, my notes say you should be laughing right now. Omega, my daughter is going to be the Omega, amen, I'm so thankful that my family is here, I, I have heard from God every service, and I thank God that he has ministered to us, and I've been praying, and you've been praying that there'd be a special touch of God in this place, it's here, it's been here all, uh, all, all day, it's been here all throughout the meeting, I'm, especially last night, we heard from the Lord. And God confirmed that word. Now, Brother Brother Prado kind of confirmed how I was feeling. I, I felt like the, the man who brought his Heinz 57 to the dog show. They just kind of kept looking at that Heinz 57 and said, that dog's not going to win any awards. And the man said, I know. I just thought he could use the fellowship. Brother Prado alluded to the fact how he was intimidated to preach after Brother Wells, after Brother McClure, and he said, now I got to preach before Brother Tiller, and he kind of observed the Passover on me, Uh, but the fellowship's been good. The fellowship's been good. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to two portions of Scripture for your hearing. The book of Psalms. And we'll be reading Psalm 137. And the book of Acts, chapter 16. And I'm very, very honored that my, my very good and close friend, Pastor Paul Deeds, was able to introduce me. 
We love him. Thank God for him. His ministry means so much to us. Uh, and uh, I'm a product of his ministry. And we thank God for him. I want us to read a psalm of the exile, if, if we can, in Psalm 137. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And their response was, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They were ready to hang it up. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Well, I've got the answer. You sing the Lord's song in a strange land the same way you did in the homeland. The book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 16. I call the book of Acts the yellow pages of the Bible. One verse, and we'll only read part of it. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. The Lord being my helper, and I'm going to need his help this morning. I'd like to preach from this thought. When you don't feel like singing, sing. Set your Bibles down. Put your hands high in the air. Let's call on the name of our great God and Savior today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring you honor. We bring you reverence. We bring you glory. Our hearts are full today with the word of God we've heard in the past two days. I pray one more time that your holy anointing would be here and rest upon us. Touch us one more time. Help us to reach back to you as you stretch forth your healing hand in this place. Your holy hand in this place. Your saving hand in this place. will not fail to give you glory for all that's said and done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody clap your hands and shout in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. There's a very, very intriguing and interesting uh, part of world history, certainly dovetailing with our nation's history, that when I learned in school has arrested my attention ever since. And those are the things surrounding the events of the Second World War. Within the World War, there was a horrific tragedy called the Holocaust. And the Holocaust began with Adolf Hitler's rise to power in January of 1933 and ended on VE Day, May the 8th, 1945. After the First World War, Germany blamed the Jews for the collapse of Germany. The Nazi party arrived and believed that they were a supreme race. And it was during this time that 5,000 Jewish communities were wiped out, and the total that died represented one-third of all Jewish people alive at that time. Germany started World War II with the invasion of Poland in September of 1939, <clears throat> and in 1940, they established Jewish ghettos in Poland where they could be isolated from the rest of society and kept an eye on. Conditions in these ghettos were deplorable to say the least. There was not enough food, not enough water, certainly not enough space or sanitation facilities, and many died in these horrid conditions. During the Holocaust, families were separated, never to be reunited again. Horrible experiments were done to these precious people by the hands of the Nazis, things that wouldn't even enter the normal person's imagination 
things that I could not even speak of at this sacred desk. The first victims in the Holocaust were people with disabilities. Eventually all Jews became targets. Six million Jews died during the Holocaust. And there were others that did not fit that Aryan mold. Soviets and Polish Catholics, Serbians, Roma Gypsies, journalists, teachers, activists, the handicapped. 1.5 million of these people that died were children. By the end of the liberation, there were only 200,000 Jewish survivors. One third of all Jewish people at that time died at the hands of the Nazis. That's an approximate total of 11 million people dead. If you want to know how staggering that figure is, the population of the state of Illinois, where I pastor, is approximately 12 to 13 million people. The state of Michigan, where I was born, population is approximately 9 to 10 million people. So if you took one of those two states off of the map and all the people within the confinement of those boundaries, you have an idea of how many people died during this time. In contrast to what the number was before the Holocaust, after the Second World War, there were few Jewish survivors left. There's one story of a survivor that I read. This story was recommended to me. Just a short story in the middle of a book full of stories of Jewish survivors of a young boy by the name of Moshe. He was 14 years old and he was the sole survivor of a very large Jewish family. Every Friday night, Moshe, with all the male members of his family, would walk to his rabbi's house and they would welcome the Sabbath by singing and by dancing. But during this time that I had just described to you, Moshe was forever separated from his mother, forever separated from his father, and forever separated from his beloved rabbi, along with 2,000 other Jews that were arrested and killed. While he was in the concentration camp, he, his testimony was he never lost faith in his rabbi. He never lost faith in what his rabbi taught him from the scriptures and there were times he thought that he himself was at the brink or the point of death and he said his rabbi's voice would come to him and comfort him and command him to live his story is on a cold december day in 1944 when the prisoners tattered uniforms were exchanged for clean ones and they were all chased to the showers across the camp's huge square while the guards began to take count of the Jewish prisoners. While the inmates were in the showers, they heard the sudden familiar sound, roll call. Guards with clubs began to chase the still wet prisoners into the camp square, into the howling sub-zero wind of the December winter. And again, I tell you reverently that those Jews stood in that square, naked, in that cold December frigid air as head count took place Moshe said he tried to move his feet in his hands but they would no longer respond to his will and he felt that he was slowly becoming a pillar of ice he said he'd look down the line and one by one they were falling to their demise he said it started with the elderly and it worked its way down to the younger and he'd look on the other side of the line and the elderly were falling on his left all the way down to the younger. And he himself felt like life was leaving him. It was at that time that his body would no longer respond to his own will. And he felt like he was slowly freezing into a pillar of ice. That the words of his rabbi came to him. And he said, don't fall, my young friend. Don't stumble. If you are going to survive, you have got to sing. If you are going to survive, you have got to dance. You are an Hasidic Jew, and this is the key to our survival. A Hasidic Jew must sing, and a Hasidic Jew must dance. 
Moshe said that melody burned in his mind. If I'm going to survive, I've got to sing. If I'm going to survive, I've got to dance. If I'm going to survive, I've got to sing. If I'm going to survive, I've got to dance. Moshe said his lips were frozen and he could not utter out a single sound. But he said he kept pushing that song through his throat. He kept pushing that air that would carry that sound until his lips began to move. He said one note forced its way through his colorless lips, followed by another, and then another, and then another. And he started singing. He said one foot began to move and free itself from the chains of frost. As he began to move one foot, he heard the ice ripping off the skin on the bottom of his feet. But he kept on moving that foot until one foot was dancing. He said he did the same thing with his other foot. He ripped the bottom of his skin on the bottom of his foot off and he started dancing with the other foot. Moshe said the snow in the ice all around him was stained and dyed red as he's dancing and sloshing in his own blood. Telling himself, if I'm going to survive, I've got to sing. If I'm going to survive, I've got to dance. If I'm going to make it through this, I've got to sing a song. If I'm going to make it through this, I'm going to have to dance my dance. I can tell you if anybody didn't feel like singing, he didn't feel like singing. I can tell you if anybody didn't feel like dancing, he didn't feel like dancing. In fact, if anybody had a legitimate excuse to stop his song, it would have been him. If anybody had a legitimate excuse to not dance, it would have been him. But he kept on dancing and he kept on singing. Thank God he did. For a few weeks later, his song and his dance saved him because he was liberated by the American troops. I've come to preach to some young people at peak 2013 if you are going to survive keep your song if you're going to survive keep your dance when you don't feel like singing sing when you don't feel like dancing dance let me tell you something I'm not preaching to just some ordinary denominal church on the corner of a street in your city I'm preaching to an apostolic church today I'm preaching to the apple of his eye I'm preaching to the church that has his name that has his blood that has his spirit This group of young people at peak 2013, do not leave this meeting thinking you're a victim. You need to leave this meeting thinking you are a victor. You don't need to leave peak 2013 thinking you're a struggler. You're not a struggler. You're a survivor. I wish I had some apostolics to help me preach here just for a little bit. You're not going down. You don't have to backslide. You don't have to go the way of the world. I got a song. I said I got a song. I got to dance. And when I don't feel like dancing, I'll dance. And when I don't feel like singing, I'll sing. Somebody say yes. I know it's easy to look at those around us. They're falling. Amen. The ice and the coldness of the world is gathering on them. They're letting down on doctrine. They're letting down on standards. They're letting down on biblical absolutes. But if I could just reach one person here today that says even though my family's fallen, I'm going to keep on singing. Even though my youth group has fallen, I'm going to keep on dancing. some of you up there in the cheap seats I worshipped with you I shouted with you I know you may not feel like it but dance anyway it's not about what you feel it's by what you know I'm going to sing my way into deliverance I'm going to dance my way into deliverance I'm not going to let the devil hold me here. I'm not going to let my situation hold me hostage and incarcerate me. 
on, we need to worship the Lord right now here just for a little bit. society you're a product of the choices you make it doesn't matter to me what kind of home you were born in what kind of city you were raised in if God filled you with the Holy Ghost you're a new creature you're not who your mom and dad says you are you are who God says you are and when he baptized you in the Holy Ghost he gave you a song sing it When he baptized you in the Holy Ghost, he gave you a dance. Do it. I'm tired of intimidation coming from the pew. junkies just coming to peak to get your fix then you go home and act like you're dead none of these things move me your favorite song is I shall not be moved you know what you need to do what you're doing right here you need to go home and do what you're doing right here at peak anymore I feel pretty good right now 
In fact, I was wearing out the inside of my suit before I stepped up here, but I feel pretty good right now. And if some of you don't want to preach me, I got better saints at home that sit on me than you do. So it doesn't scare me and it doesn't intimidate me. I came to peak with a song. And I'm going to Vandalia with a song. I came to peak, hey, with a dance. And Brother Young, I'm going back to Vandalia with my dance. You know, just try just, you know, I get nervous in front of crowds, so help me here. If anybody didn't feel like singing and praying, Paul and Silas didn't feel like it. And I'm sorry to burst your little Pentecostal sterilized bubble. Bad things happen to good people. And sometimes life puts us in a situation that we didn't ask for. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm listening to all these guys preach. I got to go home and try to figure out how to make work what they made work here. Because I got some marriages that are in trouble. I got some young people that are in trouble. And I hope they're hearing me on internet land right now. Because I'm preaching to you just like I preach to them. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. And they're going to sit and dry up on God. Sucking their thumb and crying in their root beer. Complaining how bad they got it. Complaining that life handed them a bad circumstance. And I just keep preaching. I know you don't feel like singing. I know you don't feel like dancing. But dance. I know you don't feel like praying. But pray. Why do you preach that, Brother McDonald? I'm so glad you asked. Worship brings about the miraculous. And worship brings about deliverance. You read that in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. There were earthquakes. Foundations of the prison shook. All the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loose. What brought about the miraculous in a Roman jail? It's when two apostolics said, we don't feel like it, but we'll do it. Young people, go home and bring the miracle with you. Go home and bring this atmosphere with you. You got that scripture? If they read their Bible, I won't have to preach so long. Put, put Psalm 150. There it is. Read that for me. It's just Bible class here today. Psalm 150, verse 6. Now, everybody read that first word. Everybody read the first word. Say it again. Shout it again. That's the first word. In your Bible that is recorded the very utterance of God you go all the way back to the book of beginnings and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God Moses begins to write the very first word the very first recorded word by the Creator and you know what it is? Let. And God said. And when God said let. Whatever proceeded. 
had to be. Hang on. Hang on. This is so good I might buy my own CD. Everybody say let. That means no impediments. Everybody say let. That means no obstruction. Everybody say let. That means no barricades. Everybody say let. That means no prohibition. Everybody say let. That means nothing can stop you. That means nobody can stop you. It's permission. It's allowance. It's a command given by Almighty God. Let everything. I'm trying to feel the Holy Ghost. Jesus never refused worship from anybody. Do you know why the devils could worship him? Let. You know why the lepers could worship him? Let. You know why prostitutes could worship him? Let. You know why the sick could worship him? Let. And you know why young people you can worship him? Let. Come on, some of you guys yell let. Let! 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 Let everything! Let everything. It didn't say you had to feel it. It just said do it. On a good day. Let. On a bad day. Let. When I'm sick. Let. When I'm well. Let. When you don't feel like singing, sing. When you don't feel like dancing, dance. Hang on, hang on. Listen, listen. I hope I hope I don't cross theological swords with anybody. But I feel like taking a swat at something here today. You don't have to feel the Holy Ghost to dance. to feel the Holy Ghost to sing I'm so sick of this this makes me so disgusted I could spit right on this platform I'm not gonna but I could well brother McDonald I'm afraid if I don't feel the Holy Ghost I'll be doing it in my flesh that's what I just heard recently you know that's the thing I talk to my people in English and they hear me in dingbat Say, I'm glad you're not my pastor. Well, I'm probably glad you're not my saint. So the feeling's mutual. Uh, hang on. Hang on. I'm, there's not one scripture that says you can ever dance in the spirit. Boy, it felt like all the air was sucked out of the room right there. What, what are you, a Quaker? I'm just going to sit here till God moves. The second coming will come upon you before God moves you. I'm just going to wait here till I feel it. You know, we come to church saying, I wish God would touch me. And God comes to church and says, I wish somebody touched me. We come to church saying, I wish God would bless me. And God comes to church saying, I wish somebody would bless me. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, there's no such thing as dancing in the spirit. All you've got to dance in is this old body. All you've got to dance in is this flesh. So dance when you don't feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. 
sing when you don't feel like it. And I promise you, if you do it when you don't feel it, not too much longer, you'll be feeling that wheel in the middle of the wheel, turning in your soul. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Watch. Hang on. I wrote this down while we were singing. Open the floodgates of heaven. I wrote this down. Heaven will not move till earth moves. We think it's the opposite. We think earth will move when heaven moves. No. Heaven moves when earth moves. You know, I think we need to get back to praying the Lord's Prayer. I'm sorry, that's not the Roman Catholic prayer. That's a disciple school of prayer. They said, teach us to pray. One place he said, say this, and another place, pray it. Hallelujah. I repeat it, and I pray it as a model prayer. And part of the Lord's prayer is thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? In earth. And there's a connection between earth and heaven. This is what I wrote down. We want heaven to move, and heaven wants earth to move. Watch. And I went to the book of Genesis in my mind, what little I have. And when the flood came, there were two baptisms of water. This is good as it gets, church. I'm so- There are two baptisms of water. The windows of heaven did not open and pour out a deluge until the Bible says the fountains of the deep were broken up. So there was a baptism in the earth and there was a baptism in the heaven. Brokenness in earth produces openness in the heaven. Anybody want heaven to visit them here? Anybody want an old-fashioned move of the Holy Ghost? Then why don't you start breaking up your fallow ground? Take the initiative. Don't wait for God to move you. You move God. Don't wait for God to talk to you. You talk to God. You know the song? He took the shackles off my feet so I could dance. You know what I say? Dance with the shackles on. Dance with the chains on. You know why everyone's bands were loosed in Acts 16? Let everything, let everything. Part of praising the Lord involves clapping your hands. God said, take the chains off those hands. Part of praising the Lord involves dancing with your feet. God said, take the shackles off their feet. They didn't wait until they were liberated to worship. Their worship is what liberated them. to feel God to worship I, I hope I am making nobody mad here I, I, I got a lot of friends already and I could afford to lose half of them I'm a, I, I'd like to address a problem here if I could and it's a big problem in Pentecost because Pentecostals are long on shouting and short on teaching I've been in enough meetings where young people are shouting and jumping and don't even know why they're jumping or shouting. Now hang on. Hang on. I know I'm a good preacher. I don't need Joe Booker to tell me I'm a good preacher. I know I'm, you know why I know I'm a good preacher, Brother Booker? I don't need you to tell me. I know I'm a good preacher. I preach every Sunday morning, Sunday school. I preach every Sunday night. I teach every Wednesday Bible class. I am such a good preacher. I've got saints that only come on Sunday morning. What I give them on Sunday morning is so good, they don't have to come back on Sunday night. And they don't have to come back on Wednesday Bible class. That, I'm a good preacher. In fact, 
In fact, I'm so good, my sermons carry them till Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. So I know I'm a good preacher. Hey, hey, in Vandalia, we got CEOs. That's Christmas and Easter only. I know I'm a good preacher. I've been there eight years. I got saints having darkened the doorstep in a Wednesday Bible class. That's why scripturally they're dumber than a box of rocks. You know what I tell my child? I don't know how you guys do it. You, you know, this is just me. I gear it down on Wednesday and I teach. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible means. This is our doctrine. I teach the Godhead often. I teach the new birth often. I teach holiness often. And I name it often. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Hey, hang on. I tell my church you need to be here on Wednesday Bible class. Because I'm imparting to you knowledge. Not good knowledge, God knowledge. And if you'll take what I'm teaching to you on Wednesday, then you'll have something to shout about on Sunday. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here, listen. And if I'm wrong, just, I'm going home tomorrow, okay? I'm afraid our people can trace what they have to an experience but they can't trace what they have to the scripture they can trace their salvation to a little bit of shaking and a little bit of moving But after a while, the shaken bakes gonzo. I'm sorry, that's an Upper Peninsula word right there, that gonzo. Go learn what that meaneth, praise God. And when the high is gone, I I can see I've crossed swords already. And when the hype is gone, guess what? They're gone. But if you go to your pastor's Bible class, Watch, 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 watch. Hang on, I gotta go. I gotta go. I got a restaurant I gotta get to before all you people take my seat. I'm very hungry and I've got to get there. Your homework assignment. First Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace are multiplied unto us. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There are so many young people in Pentecostal churches that are unsettled. They're tossed, amen, with every wind of doctrine. A good north wind would blow them into the next county. You know what the problem is? I don't doubt their experience, but they haven't linked their experience to knowledge. And Peter said, if you want real peace, if you want to be settled, hallelujah, get some knowledge in you. That's why I tell you, you don't have to feel God to shout. I shout because I know I'm redeemed. I shout because I know I'm saved. Even if I don't feel redeemed, I'm still redeemed. Listen. I thank God for the feeling. But he better get some knowledge. Because Shaking ain't going to run the devil off, Samson. But you know what will run the devil off? The same thing our Lord used on the Mount of Temptation. It is written, it is written, it is written. I'm sure there's times my wife don't feel married. You know, women are wired differently than men. And men, don't ever think you're going to understand the woman because God put the man to sleep when he made the woman. And the reason, and the reason he made the woman last is because he didn't want her telling him how to do it when he made the man. know why it was paradise? No mother-in-law. 
I got a good wife. I thank God for my wife. My wife doesn't tell me what to do. I feel sorry for some guys who they're married to. But you don't have to feel sorry for me. I got a good wife. She don't tell me what to do. She just says stuff like, the garbage stinks. Now, Pastor Deeds comes to my house and he's, he says, hey, McDonald, the garbage stinks. You know what I'm going to say? That's a good friend right there. He's telling me to stay out of the kitchen. Because it's Wednesday and I got till next Tuesday to take the garbage out. But when Sister McDonald says the garbage stinks, you know what she's saying? Take the garbage out. Watch. We can say the same thing and mean two different things. I can walk into my closet and say, I don't have anything to wear. I'll give you the interpretation. Don't even need the gifts of the Spirit for this. You know what the interpretation is? When I say I don't have anything to wear, that means I don't, I don't have a shirt that's ironed. Yeah, I don't, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, and Sister McDonald walks into her closet. She says, I don't have anything to wear. You know what that means? Take me shopping. Now, hey, hang on now. 11 years I've been married, she still don't have me fixed. I come home from church, take my shoes off right in front of the door. You know what the spindles on the railing are for? That's to hang up your suit, coat, and tie. You know what a doorknob's for? That's to hang up your dress shirt. You know what the spindles on a mirror are for? That's where you put your drawers. I get into something comp- I don't know, should I not have said that at peak? Can Holy Ghost Radio reverse that or is that- And I slip into something comfortable, sit in my lazy boy, because it's Sunday night, I've already resigned my church. <laughs> Look at these pastors, they act like they've never done that. <laughs> I've resigned it and took it back so many times. I've even got a letter wrote, praise God. <laughs> if you want a copy of it. And I'm in my lazy boy, and I hear that melodious voice from five foot three in a pretty frame, wonder what could be her name. <laughs> On the other, that's right, when I was evangelizing, I met her. I walked into her grandpa's church. I took one look at her. I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I see what I want. <laughs> And I hear her say from the other end of the parsonage, Daniel, watch now. If I don't move, she won't think I'm in the living room. <laughs> Daniel! McDonald, get in here! <laughs> Brother Young, I'm 35 years old and now I'm five. I'm going to go turn myself into the warden. And she points to the drawers on the spindle of the mirror. In pants, I'm sorry, pants. And she says, I got a question I'd like to ask you. Whose are these? And I say, baby, if they're not mine, I got a couple questions I'd like to ask you. When I don't hang up my suit, I'm still married. When Sister McDonald is upset that I haven't taken the garbage out and she doesn't feel like we're married, we're still married. And I want to tell you, even if you don't feel God, you're still married to Him. You can still sing. You can still dance. It's not all by what you feel. It's by what you know. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with
with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You ready? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That means I brought it with me. Into his courts with praise. That means I brought it with me. When I come to the house of God, I'm not looking for praise. I bring it with me. When I come to the house of God, I'm not looking for thanksgiving. I brought it with me. Let me tell you something. You go to church and you're not thankful, that's an illegal entry. You go to church and you don't worship, that's an illegal entry. Did anybody come to peak with worship? Did anybody come and bring the sacrifice of praise? Come on, we need to give God a good shout of praise here just for a minute. Hey, hey, who'll give me five more minutes? Raise your hand. Five, ten, fifteen, twelve, twenty-four. Brother Tiller's not preaching tonight. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going to go, and you'll never see me again. But I'd like, to, I'd like to address the parents here if I could. Because I think a good majority of some of the problem our kids have in the church is because of mom and dad. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to hold you hostage, and I'm not trying to abuse you. But mom and dad, you need to wake up and let your house be an extension of the church. When you see Junior sitting on a pew not lifting his hands. And you see Sally sitting on the pew not lifting her hands. I'll tell you what you got. You got the mentality the government's trying to give our country. We'll let somebody else take care of it. You're a lazy bum. You're a lazy bum, and if you're going to let your kids die in an apostolic church, you never should have had kids. You're going to sit there on a pew, and your little son and your little daughter is drying up, hadn't talked in tongues in a while, no tears are flowing, had no Holy Ghost connection. We're a fool if we think it's only the pastor's job to get them going. We're a fool if we say, well, the youth leader will take care of it. Let me tell you something. You got them more than the preacher. You got them longer than the youth leader does. You know what you need to do? You need to step out of your pew and say, excuse me, I got to get to my son. I noticed he hadn't lifted his hands in a while. Come on, boy, get those hands in the air. Come on, get that mouth open. God didn't give you a kid so it could die in an apostolic church. Hey, you young people, go home and be the catalyst for a move of God. When you see somebody on the church that hadn't talked in tongues in a while, hadn't cried in a while, hadn't moved in a while, get over by them. Amen. Get a great big circle gathered around them and pray them through to the Holy Ghost. I'm not letting my kids die. I'm not content with my kids going to a Trinitarian church. Well, at least they speak in tongues. That don't mean nothing if they don't have the Godhead. I know that ain't good grammar, but it's good theology. That doesn't mean anything. It takes more to get in this church than just to talk in tongues. I said it takes more than to get in this church just to talk in tongues. Too many parents are content with their kids going to a church that doesn't even preach the full truth. Why don't you find a place to pray? Why don't you find a place of what? I know you don't feel like it, but do it. It's not by what you feel. It's what you know. Boy, we hit a snag there, didn't we? 
<laughs> they pay by the aisle around here? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, I'm coming to a close. You have the ability to produce a fingerprint. In fact, you have them on your hands right now. And that fingerprint is unique to only you. That fingerprint, that thumbprint is a unique and specific identification mark that God only gave you, even if you're a twin. You've got your own print. And your voice has the ability to make what is called a voice print. And just like the thumb and the fingerprint, your voice print is unique to you. Hop up there for me. We love Psalm 47.1. Clap your hands unto the Lord. But that's only part of the equation. Psalm 47 and 1 is, Clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye lands. And open up your mouth and shout unto God. We're not here just mindlessly clapping our hands. In this house, we need to clap our hands right now. Open up your mouth. Come on, young people, open up your mouth. A closed, a closed mouth is a vote for the devil. I'm going to sing my song. I'm going to pray my prayer. I'm going to dance my dance. I'm telling you, I think there's going to be a Holy Ghost explosion in this place. And I'm not trying to hype you up. It's been here. It's been here. I'm just trying to hook my wagon to what these good men of God before me and what Brother Tiller is going to do after me. I'm trying to hook my wagon up to that. Let me tell you, scientists tell you, when you shout, you know what you do? Your voice, when you shout, shreds the air. And I read in the Bible that Satan is called the prince and the power of the air. I didn't find that too funny, but and this is what our teacher said. In the back of the classroom, they had a great big kiln. 
And it didn't matter what vessel you made. That vessel had to go through a firing process. And we asked the teacher, how do you know when it's time to take the vessel out of the kiln? You know what she said? She said, I know it's bent through the fire. And it made its way through the fire. And it's a vessel meet for an intended usage because me as the potter will hear that vessel sing you hear that vessel sing yeah when the refining process is done and it's taken as much heat and fire as it can there'll come a ring out of that kiln and the potter will say that's enough bring him out and at midnight Paul and Silas sang prayed and God heard them get them out of there they've been in the fire long enough some of you want out of the furnace lift up your voice some of you want out of the fire out of the heat of the battle use your voice Somebody pray. 